and welcome back to Top Road Podcast. Please stay nice. Well, I actually don't have the usual man in the studio. I have the return of a very famous man, Harvey. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's it's great to be back. It's been, I was thinking about it earlier, what, five months? No, four months? I haven't got a clue. It's flown by, but it's good to be back. Uh, nothing better than a good cheeky pod. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, we, we had you on the Lion series, so since then, which is end of August, so, well, middle of August, so it's even the start of August. Um, that's mad. It's been a while. It's November been... already. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, it's fine. Last week, we had a Wheels Grand Slam winning coach, and this week, we have Alexander Smith. How are you, Sam? I'm good, thank you. I don't quite, I don't quite live up to that, but I'll do my best. I uh, so Alex is subbing in for Zach today. Zach wasn't was uh given a well deserved break. Uh, we've had a few great pods, me and Zach. We've had some great guests on. Make sure to check those out. We've had Jordy Murphy, Mike Roddick, Mike Prendergast, uh, Matt Jess, Tom Foley. Loads of loads of cracking content. Bernard Jackman, loads of cracking content. So check all those episodes out. But now we're on to the Autumn Nations, Autumn Internationals. We're on to this series, new series. We're looking forward to getting straight into it. So boys, we'll start with the, obviously the Autumn Internationals have begun. We didn't start last week because our sides, Ireland and England, weren't involved. But the big game was Wales against the All Blacks and the All Blacks absolutely hammered them. Although Wales didn't have a lot of their internationals because of uh, the ones that are playing the Premiership. They weren't allowed to play, so they're all back this week. So they look a lot stronger this week. But I don't know about you, Harvey. Any surprises there? You did call it, to be fair, in the house. You did say Wales are going to get hammered. And, yeah, they did. It's it's one of those games, isn't it? I think for the reasons you just mentioned exactly yourself, is obviously a lot of their star players were tied to other, other obligations. So I don't think you could read too much into it, not to mention... You know, the All Blacks are the All Blacks. They're the hardest, one of the hardest teams to beat <laughs> on a good day when you got a full strength side, let alone, you know, when you're rotated slightly. So, yeah, not too much I think you can read into it. Um, but they still have to go out there, still have to go batter them, and they did. So, fair play to them. Yeah. And Boone Barrett, 100 caps, two intercept tries, Alex. I know you're a big Boone Barrett fan. Um, in terms of 100 caps, that must be right up there in terms of, I know we'll get on to Johnny Sexton, his 100 cap. Um, you can't really have a better real 100th cap than how you played, Malamach performance as well. Definitely not. I mean, it, it seems amazing that he's reached 100 caps already. Um, in my mind, he's still sort of a fairly young player, an established young player, but still fit on the young side. But for him to get to 100 caps and to cap it off with a couple of tries and a absolutely astounding performance was, was really good. Um, one thing about, well, one thing that I saw circulating on Twitter was a uh, certain Stephen Jones was 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 less than impressed, um, calling him the most overrated player since Sonny Bill Williams or something like that, and giving him a six point five out of ten for the Wales game, which is um, just just yeah. just awful. Yeah. <laughs> is that quote that was? Um... Helped add to the cricket score, something along those lines. Just helped add to cricket scores, and we didn't really do much apart from just score a few late intercepts. But he literally scored an intercept in the in for the first try of the game, which set the set the tempo, and New Zealand went on for there. But Ardi Severe was outstanding. I think Loki he needs to be put in the conversation as the best eight in the world. He's done it for a while now. I know he's been switching six, seven, eight, but I feel he's now stopped himself as the best eight. And Eureka Yuanis, you got. Severis, but one man I want to talk about, Will Jordan. Alex, I said to you when we were in class, we're both sports journalists studying that way. Um, check out Alex's blog, it'll be in the description of this. Um, what did you think of um, Will Jordan's performance? I know a lot of people haven't heard of the name. I don't know if you've heard of the name, Harvey, uh, but Will Jordan's a name that's kind of floated around. And I feel on Saturday, he established himself as an international world class rugby player. I mean that that one of those tries that he scored, the the little chip ahead and 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 the finish was just just a, an outrageous try. Um, sort of he, he's he's almost you say he's been around for a while, in and around like not just sort of lurking, and then now he's really starting to burst onto the scene. I think I think that's that's definitely true, and 
And he's one of those players you look at him and you think, well, sort of two, three years' time, he could really become one of one of the one of the best wingers in the world. Superb finisher. Um yeah, it's I mean it New Zealand just keep churning out players of this sort of standard and he's just another one, I guess. And he could be could be a fantastic player and already is showing the makings of a fantastic player. Yeah, when you when you actually look at them, they've got what Damien McKenzie, Jordy Barrett. They can play Bowden Barrett there at fifteen if they want to bring in Richie Mwanga. They've got Sevi Reese, Bridge. Um, it's just it's 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 just not me. fair. They can play Rico Yuani on the wing. Their their depth is mad, and I made the stupid thing of tweeting out thinking I was a big lad before during the rugby championship. I tweeted. A Northern, Hemisphere ta- a Northern Hemisphere side will beat the All Blacks this autumn because I felt they were vulnerable. And on Saturday, maybe Wales were under strength. Maybe it's not fair to judge them, but I'm starting maybe to think about deleting that tweet, but I'll leave it until after we beat them at the Aviva. But You've got to stand by your tweets. Yeah, say, just, say you, just say you were wrong. Unless you're Stephen Jones. Well, yeah, <laughs> unless you're Stephen Jones. <laughs> no, I think it's one of those. Uh, I think you nailed that. Nailed but the whatever the phrase is, um, you smashed it, Alex. In the sense that um, New Zealand have been doing this for years, haven't they? Like they have, they've got a system where players, when they do eventually break onto that All Black, um, All Black scene and kind of start tearing up for them. By then, they're already like a proven player that would probably walk into most international sides in the world, uh, and they just keep churning them out. And you might not hear a lot about them. I think that's kind of part of their culture. It's just, you know, they they aren't this big individual team. They're just a well oiled machine um and then they come on and do things like this and it'd be uh, it's one of those where it makes me think like it'd be amazing to see these players and just pick them up and put them in another side and see how they'd react or is it just kind of like this like all black family <laughs> and that's how it works it's weird but i rate it I've, yeah i've noticed ireland and england have started doing this where you have a real hyped player and you just hold them back we're going to get on to them in a minute when we're talking about the england tonga preview but Someone like a Marcus Smith and all, you kind of just hold them back. They're meant to be in there 18 months before they actually get their cap. And Will Jordan's a perfect example of someone who they've just held back, just not threw him straight in because he could, he's got the ability to start week in, week out. But they're slowly holding him, making him want it, making him earn that jersey. Talk about earning that all-black jersey. And you get performances like that, and that's exactly why you hold them back. So... It's disappointing that I have no Zach this week. I'm a bit outnumbered, so it's going to be very England-heavy, I'm sure. England team's out against Tonga. Alex, you're there. You're in your Harlequins top, and none of your Quinns boys are starring. You were annoyed when the team came out, and I was with you, and you had a wee rant about Dom Ramp being on the bench. You weren't too annoyed about Smith because he had a wee knock, so maybe he didn't train as much. Um, and we know Zach loves the South African mantra of... Uh, you don't train on the Tuesday, you don't play on the Saturday. Maybe Eddie's brought that in. So uh, uh, so what do you think? First of all, let's start with Marcus Smith on the bench. I personally, from a non-biased perspective, can see him just being an impact player for the next 12 months. I think Eddie will do Will Jordan with him, hold him back, throw him in, hold him back. Won't just chuck him in like everyone wants to, but that's my own personal opinion. I mean, the thing is, you he's been doing it at, Premiership level and at the top end of the Premiership level for at least a season, and you think, uh, or maybe two seasons, and you think sort of that sort of holding back phase that you're talking about should have started twelve months ago, rather than now. Um, I think he's he's he should have been in squads. Uh, I mean, he's been in and around a couple of squads, like played played some fairly minor. Uh, internationals and then obviously got the call up for the Lions in the summer um, but I think obviously there is the slight bias of me being a Quinns fan but I just think he's he's amazing and he deserves to get a start and the way that other players talk about him in squads whether that's the England squad or Quinns teammates they all say he's he's got a he's got a head that is older than his years um, and sort of he comes into squads and he settles in really quickly and sort of he, uh, there were stories when he first broke into the Quinns team of he'd be in their first couple of training sessions and yelling at Danny Kerr and yelling at Joe Marler and telling them what to do and sort of that's what you need in a world-class 10 
and sort of if he, he's been doing it for Quinns and he just he just runs the game. And I think it's it's Tonga. If if you want it, if you want the sort of betting in period, you'd understand if it was South Africa or Australia or New Zealand, he'd understand putting him on the bench and letting letting him come on. But it's against Tonga, and Tonga aren't going to be a particularly big challenge. So so why don't you try out some of these new partnerships that you're going to be looking at going forward, even if it's just for the Tonga game, and then revert back to Farrell at ten for. For, for South Africa. Um, it's just the fact that it's against Tonga that I don't really understand why we haven't tried a bit more. Um, there are some selections that I'm happy about. Uh, the back three look really strong. Um, the pack on the whole, I'm happy with, apart from maybe Curry playing at eight uh, and Laws at six, possibly would have played, played Curry on the flank and then uh, played Don Brandt. Um, I think he's done enough in the last season and a half to deserve that spot. Um, but yeah, it's just just little things like playing Youngs and Farrell at nine and ten that you just sort of go, it's meant to be this new look England side, trying out these new partnerships and you've got Youngs and Farrell at nine and ten. Just, oh well. I think it. I think it's probably one of those where I always remember, I remember the, the quote a lot when Eddie Eddie loves pampering on about the whole 10% rotation thing in his squad. And I think if you look at that side and you actually look at it, you know, I'm, I'm not a massive maths man, but kind of, yeah. Um, and you were to take 10% of that team and rotate it, he's effectively done that in Freddie Stewart and Radwan and the rest of the players are kind of players that have played a lot of international rugby for England. And then you look at the bench and it's, there's a lot of new faces. And I think sometimes I think that's a good thing. Um, but then I do agree with you, Alex, in the sense that you're playing Tonga. Like, come on, just enjoy it a little bit um, and let the guys, you know, it, it, it'd have been nice to see like Alex Mitchell start, for example. Um, I know he's on the bench, but it would have been nice to see him start. With the whole Marcus Smith situation, though, I think he's obviously had this leg injury or whatever. It's been a little niggle this week. Um, and I know, Telv, we were speaking off air um, and you were saying that, you know, as far as I'm aware, if you're on the bench, you're fit enough to start and you play the whole game. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you can be fit enough to just play on the bench because what I think he's going to do, and I think he will bring Smith on and he'll play the 10-12 axis that everyone's been wanting to watch in terms of Smith and Farrell, but he just doesn't want to play it because Tonga are a very physical side. And ultimately, this is something that's going to be for the future. It's not just for these next couple of games in the Autumn Nations Cup, Autumn Nations Cup in Autumn Internationals. So... I think he want, he'll he'll try and get it going maybe last 20, last 30, because he thinks that's all Marcus Smith is eligible for. He might be fit, but he might not be like fully matched up or he might not be, uh, you know, that 100% fitness. So I think that's why he's on the bench and that's why he's chose to go with him still, um, because he'll want to get 20 minutes out of him rather than try and get the full 80. Yeah, but my point was, he could get injured. If Farrell gets injured in the first minute, Smith has to play the whole game. So yeah. if he's not fit enough, who are you going to bring on? He's fit enough. So I think it's more maybe of a assistance thing. If he hasn't been in camp, well, he's been in camp long enough, but because he, he missed this week, all the prep he's missed is more the prep than himself physically. But you can't now throw him in against South Africa or Australia. Well, maybe you can. Maybe that's what Eddie's going to do. I, well, I think that's probably the plan. He'll play him for the last 20, 25 or whatever it takes if Farrell gets injured, which he very rarely does. Touch wood. There we go. I just tempted fate, didn't I? Um, and we'll, yeah, and he'll, and that'll be the little trial period for the real games that are coming up. That's why I think he's on there. I mean, I would have, I personally would love to see uh, Smith at 10 and then Tuolangi and Slade in the centres. But as I was saying to Telf earlier, that's probably never going to happen because Farrell is the captain and Farrell probably, and Jones won't drop Farrell. So I would have loved to have seen that this game. But I think the fact that Tonga's first, if maybe Tonga was the was the final fixture in the autumn internet in the autumn internationals, then maybe he wouldn't have played Farrell straight out the gate and might have given Smith to Alangi Slade a bit of a go. But because it's the first game, he probably he wants to sort of lay down a marker and put a load of points on and get Farrell in and get Farrell up to speed with with leading the team and yes. with their slightly newer faces. I think as well. Australia as well next, and you yeah. know Eddie and Australia don't. 
Like he will want to put a marker down against Australia. He'll probably think Australia is more important than South Africa from is obviously where he's from. So he'll 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 be targeting that. So he wants them boys to get minutes in the legs ahead of it and combinations and stuff. I think as well. Um I know I know a lot of the time we put a lot of onus on the fact we want to see new faces and want to see lots of rotation. But we've got to remember like that 13, that 12, 13 combo of Slade to Alangi was, you know, around and fit when we were arguably the best England side we've had. And like in in recent, very, very recent history anyway. Um, and I'm excited to see those two back because both of them have obviously struggled a lot with fitness and it's nice to see them playing together and hopefully they can get a full game together or at least a large majority. And we can see that what we saw, you know, in the likes of 2019 and stuff, because that is, that's exciting to me, especially when you, when you then factor in, you know, the new faces around him and maybe even Johnny May can pick up a bit more form again, because it's probably tough to do it and playing club rugby and, you know, he's not been great in internationals recently. So. Yeah, I don't want to just jump on, Harv. You've done the pod long enough to know. We jump on, we have a chat about Owen Farrell, we have a chat about Johnny Sexton, but being truthful, how long has this Farrell saga been going on for? It is, what, well, we're now approaching two years, well, definitely a year since the last Dortmund Internationals when he played France and he was a bit wobbly. Since then, he's never really regained his form. Kind of gained it in the first test, came off the bench for Lions, looked good, but then got dropped for the next few and didn't pick up, didn't pick it back up, but he's played well for Saracens. And I'm sorry to tell you, Alex, if Tulangi shows what he can do and Farrell loves Slade, there's no way into that team for Marcus Smith. He's going to use him as an impact player, throw him on last 20, make, 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 pull a rab out of the hat, win us the game. And I think that's going to be Marcus Smith's role. But Tulangi, we know what he's like. He's infuriating in terms of how good he can be, but he'll always get injured. So I think Eddie knows deep down too, Lange. It's going to be tough for him to stay fit until right to the World Cup. So he's just patient. He knows the 10-12 will come, an injury will happen, and Marcus's time will come. So Marcus, we love you on this pod. Be patient, lad. Nice see Joe Mahler back as well in terms of Quinns. I don't think he can have any arguments. Genji's been absolutely outstanding. I said he's against the best prop in the Prem at the minute. Might even go as far to say he's one of the best props in the world. If top for he is that good, Genge at the minute. Um, and interesting, Harvey, you were telling me that Genge is actually one of the vice captains, which shows that Eddie's using that same kind of thing that Borfwick's using down at Leicester, where you give him a bit of leadership and the man goes to another level. Interestingly, as well, Curry is also a vice captain. So, bit of youth in there. And then Courtney Laws is the third one. So, you know, good mix. <laughs> the four leadership players, I guess you can say, then are Farrell, Laws, Curry, and um, and Genge. So, and the Toje is always an unsung leader in terms. Of I think Toje is one of those, isn't it? He, he's the lead by example, man. You don't need to put an arm around his. Uh, you don't need to. I know it's vice captain. You're not going to get an arm around you, um, but like he doesn't need that. He's he's that level. Maratoje, I absolutely love him. I still think he's one of the best players in the world. Um, Definitely. Yeah, there's not much more you need to say about Maratosha, really. Yeah, because the best players in the world. Sorry, if you heard those fireworks there in Liverpool going off, uh, <laughs> Halloween classic. Um, we'll, we'll assume they're fireworks. <laughs> the best players in the world, when they're when they're out of form, get back into form, and when they've had and Otoji did that, he he, had, he struggled, got back, was outstanding, got player of the Lion series, absolutely outstanding. Whereas for me, someone like Farrell hasn't done what Otoji's done, so. They want to sit down, chat together about how to regain form. I'd give that advice because I want to see Farrell back. Farron, there's no doubt Owen Farrell is on his day, unbelievable. But maybe we'll see it against Tonga. Maybe you need Farrell a bit of confidence in him. Maybe that's why you're using him there. But yeah, Alex, in terms of um, seeing Joe Muller back, are you excited to see him back in the picture? I know Eddie went for a coffee with him over summer and they had a chat about it. And he's always said he's been open and honest of Eddie when it, when his head's not in it Eddie's been okay you don't need to be in the squad but it's interesting when Mahler says I'm available Eddie will always pick him always yeah has. I mean I think I think uh, the, uh, the past season with Quinns has he's shown that he is one of the best props in the in the league um, and obviously he's had his issues um, and he's been very open about that, which I think is really good for the sport and sort of shows that he is with sort of the mental health stuff that that is so 
is so uh, open at the moment, which is really great. Um, and he's a great character. And I think Jones likes having him around the squad um, for his character as well. Um, and I think he's he's another one that 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 possibly is is a bit of a leader um, in sort of his again like in his actions. He he leads by example, and then he has the odd moment. Um, although <laughs> although he, those those moments have have got less and less over his career. I remember I remember when he first started out; those moments were sort of maybe once or twice a game. Um, <laughs> And uh, the sort of wild haircuts and all of that, but I think he's sort of he he is who he is, and he's a fantastic he's a fantastic player, and and he, he does it for Quinns every week. He's he's a great scrummager. Um, he he's just a he's a fantastic player, and is that international level? And I think Jones has likes having him around for his experience, his character, and and a bit of his leadership and. I get the impression that he's a really a sort of a good head for sort of the younger players as well. Um, he, he seems like the sort of person that they can go and talk to and, and he can, he can give a bit of advice and help them out. Yeah. And Harvey, I know you're big Vinopola fans, but admittedly you kind of admitted defeat when they didn't make the last, well, one did one played quite well in the Lions tour. Um, but in terms of the Vinopola brothers, do you think this is Eddie's playing games with them? They're going to be back, or do you honestly think this could be it? This could be they've had their last England caps because it'd be mad if that's it. I don't know if I'd go as far to say they've had their last England caps. I think Mako's definitely got a couple more in him. Um, Billy, on the other hand, you've it's getting hard to fight that battle. Um, I don't know with Billy, he seems like that kind of guy that. I know we talk about you have dips in forms, but the way he plays and the style of rugby, it's not, he, everything's fine against him. His style of eight is kind of going out of fashion and people aren't really, you know, likening to that anymore. And unless you've got the loyalties towards him that you probably do, if you're at a club like Saracens, you're not really going to be choosing him. Um, and I think that's probably what works against him. And he's, he's, he's built in a way that he can't really, and he's at an age where he can't really transform his game now. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to anyway. Um, so, and then when you talk about the options at eight, you know, we're talking about the fact that Curry's, it's a, it's a slight, not bewildering, but you'd like to see Domrat playing there, but you also can't argue much with the fact that Tom Curry can play as a top class eight. So you talk about those two just as options. And then you've obviously got the controversies that we've already spoke about for years with Sam Simmons and, um, and there's multiple other options that come in through in the premiership. So for me, on the Billy side of things, it's it's very hard to to imagine that he's going to get anything more than maybe a couple of token caps, and that's about it. Um, I think Mako is still well in well in contention, um, but with his injury issues and the inconsistencies that he does have in that sense, um, I can't see him being someone that they rely upon, especially when you talk about the fact that Genji's getting put in as vice captain and things like that. Like Genji's definitely the option now. He's done his apprenticeship. Like, just full steam ahead with him, in my opinion. And I think he's got to the point. So, you know, Alex spoke about it previously with Marla. Seems to just to be a thing, doesn't it, with props? But um, he's certainly matured. And I think having that having that armband at Leicester's definitely helped with that as well. Um, yeah. And he's he, he looks like the kind of guy now that not only form, but off the pitch stuff, it, you know, you'd be very hard to get, the, get that jersey off him now. Yeah, and it's interesting that I just think it's more probably a, a player thing. You can use Joe Muller off the bench and you can use him as a kind of development player, but I think Mako is an all or nothing. Like if Mako's not starting, he maybe isn't good to be in camp. I don't know. That could be an audacity. He, he, he seems like a more of... mute. I get what you're saying. He seems like a more muted character than someone like Joe Muller, but and saying that anyone does. Um, but I know what you mean. He doesn't look like he gives as much value. He probably does in terms of wisdom, but you know, in terms of just being there for a bit of crack and just like livening up the mood, it doesn't seem like he's as much that as maybe some other options. So if that's what you put him in the squad for, obviously. Well, boys, here we go. Predictions and your standout performers. So I'm going to, I'm going to say my prediction first uh, from non pious perspective, from an Irish perspective, I think it's going to be 50 point win. Tonga maybe getting early free, but 52 free, let's say. And Radwan is going to rip it up again. I think he might even get two or three and score a hat trick and cement that jersey and get Anthony Watson absolutely sweating down at Bath when he's doing his <laughs> rehab. 
because we haven't had a big chat about Radwan, but I think Saturday's when he announced him. I know he announced himself um, in the summer, but it kind of wasn't. And I know Tonga still is not like that tier one level, but I think he's going to establish himself and make him undroppable then. And then the rest will be history. And then we haven't shout out Freddie Stewart. I think Freddie Stewart will have another really solid performance of fullback. I think he's he's there to stay long term. And that daily injury will mean he'll cement that jersey. So I think those are the two big things that will happen on Saturday. A big win and Radwan and Stewart to have really impressive games and cement themselves in that back three and leave one spot for either May or Watson to fight over. Or even Malins. I think I agree with it being a big win. Uh, I think we might we might leak a try sort of around 65, 70 minutes when sort of the game's gone and Tonga might get a late consolation. Um, so I reckon it's going to be maybe 55, 10, something like that. Um, I think standout uh, Slade. I think Slade could run the game from 13. Could, could have a really good game and, and may get a try or two, but also help pull strings to get Radwan a couple of tries. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Radwan get two or three. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think Slade Press Radwan, lad. Pressure, lad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I agree. I don't think you can argue about the which way the result's going to go like, but I think it would be... I'm thinking Tonga scored similar same points to what you said, Alex, but maybe they'll get one of their conversions. So I'm going like 64-12, in my opinion, is what I think it'll be. Um, I think that knowing England, they'll probably nick one in the first minute and everyone start freaking out and then we'll just go and batter them. Um, and then they might nick one right at the end as well. That's what I think they'll do. Uh, I think, yeah, <laughs> I can't argue with Rabban getting a couple. Um, but you know what? Johnny May. Johnny May, for me, is going to get two or three tries. I think he's going to have a really good game. And I think he's going to go, everyone, don't forget about me. And they've got these youngsters, that other guy running over there doing like sub 10, 100 metres or whatever he's doing, the madman. But the madman rad one. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. No, Johnny May, I think he'll have a quality game. Um, and this is the kind of game where you just build your confidence back up. Uh, and then maybe Tom Curry as well, just really strong ball carrier. You know, so actually head on, as Eddie Jones said, I can't remember the quote exactly, but to beat these Tongan boys, you've got to go through the front door to get to the back door. And that's how we're going to do it. We're going to overpower them, their own game, and then we're going to batter them with our fast swingers and everything else. So, Just finally, Harvey, just quickly, um, do you think Tom Curry is going to be an eight going forward now? Which is, sorry, Alex, as a Quinns fan, that's bad news for you because Don Brandt's not getting hit at Curry. Like, Curry is undroppable in Jones's eyes, and rightly so, he's unbelievable, but... He's played him now twice. He's tried this twice, so he clearly wants it to happen. And I personally think, with all the good flankers on show, uh, um, I think this is the plan. Yeah, but the likes of... Yeah, there's a lot of good ones, isn't there? So, he could... You, you know, you mentioned it earlier with players like Adi Surveyor. There's a good chance that he just kind of floats in between a couple of them. Um, mm -hmm. And it just becomes this big hybrid back. You know, we love the idea of... Eddie loves it as well, these hybrid players. So... Um, but yeah, he's got all the characteristics of that kind of mod day eight that we spoke about. You know, he's really good at set piece. He's really good ball carrier. He's a powerful player. But he's also really good defensively as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be a mix. Um, like I said, I think I think the further rugby goes and the more years we go into this things, I think that you become less defined in your position. And I think we're showing that more and more with the amount of players that are growing up like this that are, that can are, are capable of playing multiple positions. So. Yeah. Provide space for his brother. Ben yeah. Curry. Ben <laughs> Curry. Curry and Curry axis. Um, I mean, obviously, as a Quinns fan, I'd, I'd love to see Don Brandt start and Curry and uh, and Underhill re reignite that partnership. But we'll see. If Jones wants to go with that, then Don Brandt, like Smith, might end up being impact player off the bench. I think uh, he will. I think yeah, I think that's going to um, be Don role for the next 12 months yeah. I think you have to build that, I think Don Brandt will get a try off the bench this weekend yeah you have to build a team around these Quinns boys and I don't think Eddie at the minute is willing to but if you do mold it around Smith and Don Brandt you'll be you'll be way with the way of the ages but uh now nah, boys we'll, we'll now move on um to good old Ireland Ireland against Japan and to be fair to Andy Farrell he's picked 
the best side probably he could select to beat Japan. So he's given Japan his full respect. He's um he hasn't fought like a bit like a Tonga. Let's try some people. He's not trying anyone. He's just going for his tried and tested, and he's trying to beat Japan, which I like at some degree. But I am frustrated. I did feel someone like Robert Balakun. Um, I'm not going to be completely deluded. I'm not just going to name the whole Ulster team, but Balakun in in terms of someone who's been the, probably the best winger in the United Rugby Championship. He for a number of years he's been up and around it. Um, I know Conway's had his injuries and lows been out of form. So I don't know. What you think Harvey? It looks like Andy Farrell is giving chances to players that are established internationals, but kind of are in that kind of prime slash tail end of their career. Like I know they've got two, two three more seasons at the top. He likes your Conways and lows and stuff. Do you think I'm a bit being a bit deluded here that I just want to see my young my young Ulster boys in there, or do you think it is fair enough? It's Japan, and you got to pick the best side to beat Japan. And right now, is Andrew Conway a better ringer than Rob Balakun? Yeah, he's more he's more well rounded. So I can I see that, I can see the logic. Yeah, I think it's one of those, isn't it? Um, I think sometimes we, I think us as fans, sometimes show why we're not the ones that are getting paid as coaches because ultimately he's got to at some point play his full strength side and he maybe he's got to do it in a raw form like this, you know, first game back as internationals because ultimately you can't go into like a competitive competition like the Six Nations next year not knowing what your first 15 is. Um, and the only times he'll ever get a real opportunity to actually know them is in games like this. So although we constantly want to see six rotations and four uncapped players, sometimes it's just not realistic. Um, so having said that, and I'm going to completely contradict myself. I would have liked to see more rotation because it's it's just same old Ireland, really. Um, and it's and a bit like what you said, it's same old Ireland, but with no real direction. I think the one thing that I, I mentioned to you before we came on air is, I mean, I'm I'm happy that Joey Carberry's back on the bench. Um, I think Joey Carberry starts this game if it's not Sexton's hundredth cap. Um, so for me, that is Joey Carberry starting ten. Um, personally, I'd like to see that anyway. Like Conor Murray sub nine, it's just like why? Like you know he's quality. Why do you need him on the bench? You know, just try someone else. Be a yeah, bit more adventurous. Peter Peter Romani is twenty. What are you coming like closing the game out against Japan in the autumn internationals? Like why do you need him on the bench? Or like, are, we being like dis- are you being disrespectful to, to Japan? Andy obviously sees them as a tier one side, a real threat. And if we lose against Japan at the Aviva, people are going to be people are going to be after Andy. Yeah, but are they? Like, is it really that bad? Like, I know, I know, I know you want to win every game and he wants to walk around saying he's 15 unbeaten and whatever it is, like most managers do. But, like, does it really matter? Like, I'd rather see rotation in this and then you go and fight head on against the big boys, the proper tier one nation sides when you play them. Because ultimately, you go into this game full strength, you're not going to go rotate against like the All Blacks and stuff, are you? So, why? So, and the final game's against Argentina. So, like, it's no harder than Japan. So, if he wants to try boys out against Argentina, that is risky. I would I mean. I, I, I don't like rotation in terms of putting a full second string say side. I like rotation as in you drop in a bit like England have done, and I hate the way I'm on this podcast singing about <laughs> England, but <laughs> drop in two or three people that you want at the next World Cup. So for me, I would have wanted to have seen like say like Dan Sheehan, for example. I know he's on the bench, but Look, young 22, 23 year old hooker. He's ripping out for Leinster at the minute. Looks like he could potentially be pushing Kelleher. Someone like that, chuck him in. Then Kelleher's on the bench going, all right, my spot, which is looking guaranteed over recent months, going to Lions tour and stuff like, and make give make people guess. Like, for example, Hugh Keenan now, I don't think he's guessing. I think he knows he's kneeled on to 15, which he is. But you have to keep players guessing. You have to keep players pushing on. And they have to really put Japan away or there's going to be questions for Andy with the likes of Gibson Park and Sexton and James Lowe players that you know have been there they've done it for Andy in the past but if they don't do it again there's no gallon clause that I've I've tried a few youngsters out and it hasn't worked type thing it's I mean, like sorry Alex you carry on um, I mean I, I look at this I, I look at the team and sort of someone who doesn't watch that much Irish rugby and I've heard of most of, if not all of those names, and sort of you, you go into an autumn series and you think at least, like for England, there are 
on the bench, there are a decent number of young players, people who haven't been capped. You look at that, and as as you were saying, Harvey, like players that you got got players like Keith Earls, Murray, Omani on the bench, and you sort of think, could you have put a couple of youngsters on the bench, give them a bit of a run out at the end? Okay, you want to start out strong, start off, okay, maybe have one or two in the starting lineup, but keep it the main spine of the team. But it's just, it's, it's, it's almost uninspiring. Um, it's the sort of thing where you go, if, if you were Farrell, who would you pick? Or if, if, if you were going to predict who Farrell was going to pick, you probably wouldn't have gone far wrong just by going, he's going to go with these lot. Um, it's just a little bit, it's a bit meh. <laughs> um, yeah. He's not going to care though. He just wants to win rugby matches. He hasn't lost since the second game in Six Nations. So he is on a bit of a run at the minute. But, he, but then but then you worry that if he keeps playing the same squad over and over again, that is going to get to a point where either he'll get, they'll get figured out and they'll lose a game that they should be winning. Like, maybe they might lose to Japan. If you lose to Japan, then sort of, what does he go? Where does he go from there? Does he then go, right, well, clearly, does he have a bit of a panic? And then next game, is it the All Blacks following Japan? Yeah. yeah. Which, playing then, advocate, maybe he wants to get them a full run out so then they can give the All Blacks a proper test match rather than but, being a, but bit, then, a bit cold to the All Blacks. But then if, if they lose to Japan then he's going to sort of losing to Japan. Like, I think Japan are a fantastic side. As you said, they're, they're probably slightly, not quite, maybe not quite as good as Argentina, but nearly as good as Argentina. Very good international side at the moment. And if they lose to, if Ireland lose to them, then Farrell might have a bit of a panic and go, well, what do I do from here? Like, and then, the confidence is low. Does he make a few changes? Brings like Connor Murray back into start and Sexton back and sort of bringing all the experience. Like, well, I mean, all the experiences in the starting lineup. It's 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 a weird one. Like, it's, if, it's if, it'd been a, if it'd been a young team and they'd lost to Japan, he could have gone, okay, fine. It's a young team. I'll bring the experience back in for New Zealand. But it's just lose lose. There's a bit of lose lose. I suppose the only thing I would say is, I suppose, uh, just to play devil's advocate here, maybe, you know, we're not, we're really not far away from the World Cup at all, really. Maybe Farrell has already decided his, maybe he's already decided, like, bar one or two players, his World Cup squad. If everything else goes to plan, you know, Johnny Sexton's been open and honest that he won't quit until he loses the drive. And for it seems like that's not going to be before the World Cup. So he's got no issues in him and he's probably, well, he's definitely the oldest player out there. So, like, if this is what he sees as the squad, then it also doesn't make a lot of sense to rotate yeah. if this is your plan. And, yeah. and then in that sense as well, you're only really going to rotate if players are really bursting through that ceiling and you have no option in, like you said, tell players like Dan Sheehan and stuff who are proving that they need to be recognised. And maybe, I know I've still with yourself coming from an Ulster bias, I'm, I will be a serious devil's advocate on you here. Maybe they just aren't doing that for him. And maybe they aren't grabbing his attention as much as they probably need to. You know, maybe you'd have to be at the level of someone like Jacob Stockdale when he first broke through to even get noticed by this side now because he's that settled. And you could say, you know, if you want to look into it even further, maybe they're in a better position than a team like England because it's arguable that Eddie's got so many decisions and so many options and so many people in his ear telling him about all these players that are in form in the Premiership that he's going to be chopping and changing until the World Cup. And he'll probably only get three or four months with the actual squad before it whereas if Eddie you know Andy can hone in his skills his tactics his style of play with a team that will probably only rotate by five or ten percent in the next two years like he's sorted yeah, especially sorted. someone like Gibson Park like Gibson Park is his man he doesn't yeah. care what the papers saying he has decided you know what I don't care what any of things Gibson Park is my man not Craig Casey not this youngster that's broken on or like an Nathan Doke now also ripping it up he's decided a year ago I'm going to invest in Gibson Park's my start in nine, and I'm going to use Conor Murray's experience to close out games. And fair play to him. If they if Gibson Park goes against the All Blacks 
Murray comes on and closes it out, we're all saying he's a genius. But as you said, it is it's a high risk, high reward. If things start to go wrong, I feel people will be coming after Andy. But I'm not gonna say in the podcast and complain about Andy Farrell when he's won every single game, as I said, after things went wrong against France and Six Nations. He's regrouped, things are starting to go well. We're winning games, we're on a decent run at the minute, and we'll make it continue. And I back us against Japan. I think we'll get the job done. But again, I'm not gonna call yet. But if we get to Argentina and we're still not seeing some, if he's not throwing in a few, then I'm going to be like, come on, we need to use this to build for the World Cup because you need depth. And we'll get on to France very quickly because they use the whole summer to build depth. And their depth now is where it's not fair, where they've got <laughs> international quality players that are fourth choice. Um, but yeah, boys, in terms of predictions, what are you saying for the Japan game? In terms of who you think is stand out as well? So I'm going to go, Ireland are going to win by... Seven points, nothing spectacular, but they'll never look like they're going to lose. Solid, grindy performance. And a weird one, someone we haven't talked about. I know it's Sexton's hundredth cap and incredible achievement, by the way, Johnny. I know you're a big listener. Uh, incredible achievement, lad. And yeah, not many people when they're 24 and make their international debut go on to get 100 caps. It's absolutely incredible in terms of durability, his drive. And he's on for, as you said, Harvey, 105, 110, 115. It's going to keep clicking on. Um. So my prediction is I went by seven points and the player to stand out is Jack Coonan. So Jack Coonan has returned. He's a <laughs> And I think he's going to prove to people, remember me, lad, I'm a starting lion. Are you going the same, Alex? Eh? I was going to go with Jack Coonan, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he's a great player, great eight. Um, I think I think, Ireland, I think Ireland will win as well. I think it'll be close. I think uh, either either Ireland will win it at the death, or they'll have a lead and throw it away, and then Japan will just not have enough to get over the line. So I think Ireland by by five, um, and yeah, Jack Conan I think will we'll have a good game. I think it'll be um, I think it'll be a bit of a tit for tat game. I think. Uh, Ireland might get a couple to start with and then Japan will get into the game and like you said Tov, I don't think you'll run away with it but I think you'll never look like losing um, so I think it'll just be like a bit like probably how the Australia game went for them um, and I think it'll be high scoring well, I don't know 36-21 something like that um, completely random numbers there but we'll go with it uh, other than that yeah I think the only guy I think is going to stand out who he, I don't know why I just like him. You know, we just have this weird affiliation with players. Caelan Doris, I absolutely love him. Obviously, he had a horrible injury. Um, yeah, I, like I, I, I backed him as better, a better player and a higher prospect than Jack Cohen at the time. Um, and I thought he was a really good player and I really like the way he plays. So I think he's going to go out there and he's going to prove that, boys, I'm back and I'm here to stay. So, yeah, there's a few that need big games. Obviously, Johnny on 100th cap will want to show it, and he probably will. He's Johnny Sexton, like, um, but I think Guy Ringrose as well needs a huge game because Henshaw's going to be coming back, and Henshaw and Aki are the Lions at the end of the day, and Ringrose isn't. So, if Ringrose wants to stay in this team, um, he needs to perform, and we need to see a big game from him. But no, I'm fascinated for that one, boys. And then in terms of the France game, um, France Argentina. We're not going to do a big debrief on it, but uh, just in terms of predictions, what you're saying, and just before you do your predictions, just remember their nines, Dupont, their tens, Jelly Bear, their twelves, Arantamank, and their thirteens, Galfiku. So I think that could rip Argentina open. And I said it to Harvey last night, I think France needs a massive autumn for people to remember how good they are. Because they've, they've looked really good and then had a weird result here and there, whether it's losing at Scotland or not beating England or just not having that big marquee win. And I think they're going to blitz away Argentina by 20 odd points. And New Zealand are going to, New Zealand are actually going to be like, oh no, we're getting scared. Then they're we're going to look at Ireland and then Ireland are going to beat the All Blacks. We'll get onto that next week. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go massive French win and France letting everyone know because if you, to hammer Argentina, you're a good side. We know that. France found out 2007 in the World Cup. Argentina beat them. And the last World Cup was the last minute drop kick, remember, for uh, France to beat Argentina. So Argentina-France is always a cracking game. But yeah, I reckon France are going to absolutely wallop them at the start of France and say, New Zealand, we're scary as well. 
<laughs> I agree. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at that team now, and you just look at it and just go, "That's out, that's outrageous." Um, yeah, uh, just Jalabert and Tamak with Dupont as captain for sort of the foreseeable future. I mean, it's scary. Uh, if it all clicks and they all stay fit, then it'll be everyone will be keeping one eye on them um, in terms of this weekend. I think they'll put. I think they'll maybe even put twenty-five points into into Argentina. I could see them scoring fifty. Um, I'll go with I don't know, like fifty-two, twenty-seven. Go with that. Why not? Um, yeah, it, it could be a big result for them. I think. Yeah, I think you guys are right. I think France are obviously a good, very good squad in terms of on paper, and they've just been that one win away for a lot a while now. Um, Kind of build it up, and then it's kind of two steps back. So they need to they need to build up a long run now. Um, get some stability in that squad. Hopefully, keep Antimac and the others fit, um, and they could do really well. But Argentina yeah. just yeah. love Argentina. Just love they did it against the All Blacks. They love to just stick their hand up once in a while and go, "Look, boys, you can't walk over us all the time." We'll get battered in the other two games in the United Nations or internationals, whatever we call them. But yeah, I think they're going to beat France. I'm telling you now, they're oh, going to beat it by they're going to beat oh, it by five points. They're going to beat it by five points. They're going to come up and they're going to show them that they're a good side, a very good side. Um, I think Argentina are just a funny side. Sometimes they do things <laughs> like that. And hey, I'm just going to throw it at the wall and hopefully it sticks. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that I would something that I wouldn't be surprised to see. 20, 28, 23. I'm going to win. Yeah. And then um, in terms of Wales against South Africa, so many crackers this weekend when you actually when you actually sit down and actually say the games out loud. Wales against South Africa, Bigger's back, Zamet's back, Jonathan Davis. I know Jeff Davis played last week, but Jonathan Davis, captain the side. Um, they now look Wales like they've got a proper team now, but they've still they've lost Falatai, Moriarty, Alwyn Jones. I just think... This autumn isn't for Wales. They're just Wales are the type of team that they need everyone fit. They they haven't got a, a massive levels of depth that you know England and France have, where you can call upon third, fourth choice players. Like France in the in the summer had their fourth choice ten playing the last test against Australia, and they lost by two points or something stupid. So, it just shows depth like that. Not everyone can have. So, I just think it's it's going to be a frustrating one for Wales this this autumn. I just feel. They might get close against South Africa. You don't really tend to hammer South Africa, but I reckon South Africa will do what they do, grind it out. Um, I know they're missing Sheslin and um, Seth Toy and Faf de Klerk and stuff, so they're they're not without their own injuries. That's what South Africa will say. But South Africa, on the flip side, have that bit better depth where they have you know Jesse Creel coming in. They have Yankees coming in at nine. They just have, um, or Quagga Smith at seven, they just have that depth that maybe Wales are struggling with. And I know Wales still have a lot of talent, but someone like Johnny McNichol at 15, he's going to have to have the game of his life to really to really cement it. Whereas you've, South Africa, you just get people walking into the side and the drop-off isn't that big. But don't get me wrong, Wales will be fired up from getting hammered, as we said earlier. But I'm going to go for a South Africa win by six points, 26-20. I'll go South Africa by 10. Maybe 30, 30 points to, uh, yeah, maybe 31, 30, 21, something like that. I know that's nine, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think you're spot on. Obviously, Alan Jones, big injury, potentially missing the Six Nations, but knowing him, that means he'll be back by mid-December. So um, <laughs> it's just classic Alan. So yeah, I don't know. I think... I mean, I struggle to argue with you guys. I think South Africa, as much as I hate watching them, um, will just beat Wales. Um, I'm going to go for a little bit more of a cagey affair. I think maybe 18, 13. A bit more of a traditional style test match. And yeah. Well, South Africa's injuries, this one's a lot more closer than it would have looked. I feel Wales have got players now coming back, especially those Prem players. Someone like Larry Zama, who's been in the news, telling Gatlin that, Maybe, you know, the I know classic journalists can sometimes twist a story or two, but 
kind of saying that, you know, Gatlin got his game plan wrong. And if they played a bit of ball, like the likes of him could have done something that terrible. I like the confidence, but he now has to back it up. He needs to go in there against the Springbok and rip it up. So if players like that can do it, don't get me wrong. I think Wales can cause an upset, but I just feel that it's just too disconnected. The team's changing and stuff. It's just, it, this team's never really played together before. If you don't know a team to play together, something like Ireland, like that at least they know, <laughs> at least they've played together, at least these combinations know each other. Like, so yeah, it's a fascinating one. And just finally, quickly, Scotland against Australia. Not that we needed another game on Sunday. Um, I'm going to throw out there, boys. I think Scotland are going to hammer Australia. Quee Cooper's not there. Um, I know Curly Beale's come in, but not really a drop-off, but still, Quaid's been on fire. Crev, uh, Crevy's not there as well. Like, I just I feel like... Win. I yeah, agree. I think Scotland will win. I think it'll be big. I think Scotland will put down a marker. I just don't... I feel Australia put so much energy into those two South Africa games that... They're maybe gonna slightly overlook Scotland and they're maybe looking to next week against England. And I think Scotland are gonna put them big doohan and all we're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna put Scotland by 15. <laughs> you do lad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think well, I, I don't think they'll maybe not as much as 15, maybe seven. I think Scotland will do it. I I've, I always think Scotland are a decent side and have have the have the ability to to maybe spring an upset occasionally, although Scottish rugby fans might not thank me for saying that that's an upset, but I mean, it probably is. Um, yeah, uh, I think they'll do it. Scotland by seven. I think, well, if you've ever listened or watched the podcast ever before, you'll know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, 35-17 to Australia. Scotland not that good. Uh, Australia don't even have to look into them and they'll still beat them. So there you go. Stick my neck on the line multiple times today. That's how we like to do it. Welcome back to the podcast, Harvey. Cheers. Thank you and goodbye. That's well, that's why we pay him the big bucks, guys. That's why he's on the big podcast. <laughs> but uh, anyone's been far in this podcast, remember to give us a follow on Spotify, uh, at the Tell Robbie Podcast, on Twitter, Rugby Tell, on Instagram, the Tell Robbie Podcast. Big thanks, Alex, for stepping in for Zach today. I look forward to having you back next week, Zach. I know you're listening um, for a big New Zealand preview, but... Uh, yeah, big thanks, boys. And to those listening, um, we hope we've got those predictions right. And if we haven't, don't destroy us too much, you know. Rugby's a, rugby's a game. It's all, about, it's all about being inclusive. It's all about being happy. It's all about the fun of the game. So we'll catch you next week. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers.